All right, I'm going to start things off and just take a slight uh, detour from our normal scheduled program. If you're here last week, uh, Ken won't believe this, but we covered three chapters of Acts. And uh, we got through all of Paul's trials in Caesarea to when he finally appeals to go to Caesar. And there are only two chapters left in the book of Acts after that. There's a very long, extended section on how Paul gets to Rome. There's a lot of sailing stuff. So if you're big into sailing, Acts 27 is your chapter in the Bible. Just, you know, live there. Greek students always cringe whenever they, if they ever had assignment and it would come from there, which really doesn't happen, because all, like almost all of the vocabulary in chapter 27 is words that are used nowhere else in the Bible, because it's all sailing terminology. And when you're studying a language, you know, you learn the words that are commonly used, and you look up words that you don't, and that happens everywhere in the Bible. There are always words like, oh, I can't remember what that word is. You look it up in the lexicon, and you're okay. But in chapter 27, it's, I don't know that word, and that word, and that word, and it's just, it gets ridiculous. So there's a lot there on that. And then it gets into the shipwreck, which is really exciting, and I almost thought of using, of just continuing an axe and talking about the shipwreck and how that really applies to the situation that we're facing, um, because I think it is, it is very relevant. But then I kind of thought, well, I, I either won't do good at talking about axe when we do that, or I won't do good at talking about this, so we'll just concentrate on this. And today, uh, we're going to talk about what's going on in our world, what's going on in our state and community. The biggest thought that I have in this is you can turn on the news and you can get the news perspective on things. Uh, I'm not a, a medical doctor, so I probably can't tell you anything that you couldn't learn on the CDC about coronavirus itself. The things that we know, there are things that we don't know. And so that's, that's kind of out there. Um, you can go on Facebook and you can read all about people going to, to, going to the stores and buying all the toilet paper. And, you know, we can talk about that. But I thought, you know, that's, that's really not what we're here for either. So what I kind of want to talk about is if you have questions on the facts, we can, we can kind of discuss those. But really, what's, how, do, how, how should we as Lutherans, how should we as Christians deal with this stuff? How should we process it? How should we think about it? What, what, what do we do? And uh, that, I think, is not something that you're going to get out on the news. It's not something you're really going to get a lot in other places, but I thought this is a good place we can talk about it. I want to start by just sharing two videos. One is, uh, and these have been available online, but some of you may or may not have seen them. They're pretty short won't take too much time. The first is closer to home. This is the Northern Illinois District. That's our area of the LCMS. The district president, uh, his words on, you know, to churches and pastors and lay people of just, you know, what's his thoughts. And keep in mind that on Thursday and Friday, in those 48 hours, the situation changed so dramatically, so quickly not like we were talking about, okay, what do we do if this? What do we do if that? And before, well, when we already had some decisions made, 
decisions were made above us that had to completely change our plans. We were planning on having school next week, and uh, we were going to cancel Grandparents' Day because grandparents, older population, like that just seemed like a common sense thing to do. They're the ones that really want to be there and are the most susceptible, and we don't want to have to make them choose. So we're just going to cancel it. But school as normal, that's, that's what everybody was doing. And then Friday at like 3, uh, there's a press conference, and the governor changed all of those plans. So we're just kind of following that chain of command there. Um, so this was put out as all of that was kind of happening. And, uh, oh, we're, the, the situation is changing so fast, we just want to let people know what's going on. I suppose i got to unmute him. But I wanted to share a little video message with you. wanted to encourage you. And, uh, well, I want to talk to you about what it means to be a church. Because in the midst of all the chaos in our culture, in our country, in conversations. We are the church, the church of Jesus. And the church is always responsible. Last night I was talking to my son, and we were all breaking knees. Dad, is this what it was like after 9-11? Yeah, there's some comparisons. We have a situation that we're not in control of. But we get to be the church. You and I get to be the church. And as the church, we are responsible. We're responsible for each other, the people that we worship with. We're going to respect their space. We may not shake so many hands, give so many hugs, but we might wave, we might smile, we might be joyfully looking. We certainly want to look up to our look up our hygiene and taking care of ourselves, washing our hands. Um, but this Sunday, I'm going to church. I'm going to hear the word. Me too. I'm going to receive the Lord's body, the blood, and the sacrament. Jesus is going to share with me and so many of us the victory. Now, you might have some health issues or other things going on. You say, I just don't feel comfortable going to church. Hey, listen to the Lutheran Hour on the radio. Or live stream one of our LCMS services. Or open your Bible. Uh, the gospel reading for this coming Sunday is from John chapter 4. Jesus meets the woman at the well. He's the living water. We're going to have people along the way here that we're going to meet at the well. And we're going to be able to have spiritual conversations because of all that's going on with the coronavirus. So be responsible. Be responsive to the people around you, to the needs around you, to the fears around you. We live in a broken world. The world is groaning. But we know Jesus. And we bring Jesus. You get to bring Jesus. And I do. Last night I was in Rockford. I met a friend of mine. He's got a small business. He's just starting out. And uh, he was talking about people canceling reservations. He was talking about the people in the kitchen who are hourly wages and all that going on. You could just tell the burden. I got to listen. I got to talk. To share open perspective. It was really a good conversation. There are a lot of conversations to be had inside the church building, but also outside the building. Because we are the church. You are the church of Jesus. And the church always thrives when we get to talk about that home. What does First Peter say? Always be ready to give an answer to the hope that you have. And we overflow with hope because our hope is in Christ, crucified and risen. And he is for you. He's for your family. He's for your church. And he has redeemed the world. So be responsible. Let's be responsive. God gives us an opportunity, even in this difficulty, even in all that's going on, to be who he has made us. Thank you for your service. Thank you for praying. Thank you for loving on your neighbor. 
and being there for your neighbor and your friend. And that God is going to use this for his purposes. So I commend you to the Lord, your congregation, your school to the Lord. I commend this situation with you. When I was a little boy, life seemed so much simpler. Uh, my pastor taught me in confirmation class a passage I had to memorize. Cast all your care upon the Lord because he cares for you. I want you to know he cares for you. Your church, your ministry, your family, he even cares for the world that you redeemed by the blood of Jesus. God bless your life and journey. If there's anything that I or we can do, please reach out to the Northern Illinois District. And uh, there are resources on the website. Uh, there'll be resources after this video too. We commend you to the Lord. He cares for you. Thanks. All right. Any uh, thoughts or responses? That, so that was the Northern Illinois District uh, president who was speaking there. So the the two main points there. This is a this is a time for us as the church to. What do what do we do? We do, we don't choose our our situations and scenarios in life. They're given to us. But as the church, no matter what situation we are in, we are responsible and responsive. So as we talked about that as as a church and as a school, how do how how can we be responsible? Uh, you know that uh, our local health officials have said there are no cases of coronavirus. Uh, nobody has tested positive in this area. Um, and so in one school of thought, it seems like we're going to extremes, uh, canceling, closing, whatnot. And uh, I'll leave that up to debate if, if we are or not. But the other school of thought is that this is a really bad illness for those in those high-risk situations. And what has happened in other places, other countries, Italy, China, the two big examples, is if it gets out of control too quickly, the medical community, they can't, they can't handle it. As one friend of mine said, you've seen what happened with toilet paper? The same thing could be true of hospital beds, you know, and what need is greater, toilet paper or, or hospital beds? Um, I guess it depends if you're the one without toilet paper. You'd... Anyway, um, so what people are doing right now, it might be a, a tad too far, but they're precautions, precautions. They don't want it to turn into a big thing. And that's why they've made these decisions. As we are listening to them, again, we're not medical experts, um, so we're trying to respect their vocations. We're trying to respect their opinions. And okay, it doesn't, oh, but, we'll, but we'll do it. And as we talked about it as a church, we thought that as our governor talked about uh, restricting meetings of over 250 people, uh, we do have more than 250 in worship on a weekend, but none of our services regularly has more than 250 people. Um, so we did not feel that that restriction applied to us. But we did know that we are getting people together 
and they are going to be in close proximity to one another. So what can we do to make sure that, you know, we are responsible? And so the trying to curtail the handshake and the passing of the peace, but instead we want to keep that. We want, we don't want to become completely isolated from one another because we, we're going to need each other if this does turn into something um, bad. So, all right, what are other ways we can show that? Handshake, handshake is out, but the, the wave, the elbow, you're not, you're not, uh, Handshake versus even fist bump. We're, you know, we're kind of downplaying the fist bump, but even a fist bump is less germy than a handshake. So if, if you still want physical content, you know, you can do that. But again, respecting the people around us. If somebody feels that they are more susceptible or they don't want to risk it, you know, not, don't, don't force people in that situation. Communion, uh, another potential place where a lot of people are worried. There have been churches that, you know, will not do communion. You have to keep in mind some of the churches that do that, they don't have the same theology that we do when it comes to communion. And so for them to curtail communion, it doesn't mean the same thing to them. It's, it's like, oh, we're just going to omit this song for this season. We won't sing it. We know everybody likes it. We'll bring it back later. It, they, do, they do not believe the sacrament is a means of grace, Jesus' own body and blood given to us uh, there with the, the bread and the wine. So, so that's different. Even the Roman Catholics uh, and some of them uh, stopping their churches, the, the Roman Catholic theology is that Mass, uh, as they refer to it, the sacrament, is a work done by the priest, okay? It is not primarily them receiving God's gift of grace, but rather them, the priest, atoning for the sins of people by re-offering Christ's body and blood uh, there through the Mass. And so whether the people are there or not, that ultimately doesn't matter as much in their theological thinking. So again, understand when you hear other people making decisions, other church bodies, it might sound like the sky is falling kind of thing, but in their way of thinking, these mean different things. It's more like the passing of peace to us. It's not a a required thing in our service, we like it because of what it says about us together as the body of Christ. So for them, these aren't quite on the same level. There are some local, well, not local so much, but other churches in the LCMS, I have friends who are pastors who did discontinue their services. Um, usually that's in the case of they think they're kind of at that threshold where they're having over 250 people. So they're, they're following the, the governor's direction on that. Um, it, it doesn't have to do with what they think about worship uh, and getting together. The other thing that you might see happening with a lot of the churches that are wrestling with this decision is that uh, they try to do like live streaming or something like that. That's better than nothing. So if, if you're like can completely pull the plug, I, I do think that that is, is better than nothing. And for a large church, I think that is a responsible decision to make. Um, we didn't feel like we're at a situation where, where we wanted to do that yet. We do know that there are members of our own congregation that feel that they are in some of those high-risk categories, and 
through talking with their doctors, uh, some of them even, have made that decision, okay, I'm, I'm not going to come to church. Uh, we, as, as their pastors, do not view this as a, a sinful decision, right? They, they are making the, the best decision for them at this time. It's not really any different than if you are sick any other time, we really don't want you to come. Just, just you know, stay away that Sunday, get, get yourself well and better, and come back. Um, it is not a sin to miss church when that kind of thing is going on. And so for these people in, in those situations as well. What we're trying to do to be responsible is making sure that our sermons are available. Usually uh, we have uh, Matt Callan, who does the producing of these. I, uh, we have them recorded, but then he he adds a little bit more magic to them. And there's usually a delay, a couple of days, between when we get him the file and he does it, because he's doing this as a volunteer. He has a job, a life, a new baby. And uh, we wanted to make sure that people could get those sermons as quickly as possible, especially if you know they miss that and they're not going to be there. So uh, Sunday after the late service today, I'll put this sermon, pastor sermon from this morning, online right away. So by 12.30, 1 o'clock, anybody that wants access to it can get it. It's not live stream, but it's, it's going to still be there on the Lord's Day. But another thing to be responsible, we're putting some resources online, and I've given one of those resources to you. If it should happen, and right now I say if because... I could not have predicted where we are at the end of the week, at the beginning of this week. If we would get to a position where we could not have services, uh, we're still looking into the live stream option for us in our setup. Uh, we, we haven't done live stream, and there's, there's some technology things that would have to be answered, and we have to make sure that copyrights are, are kosher there too. Um, but even if we could not meet... Worship can still happen. It's going to look different, but it still should happen. And this really gets back to a thing of it should be happening anyway. Now, does it? I don't know. You can answer that in your own household. But uh, can we have devotions in our families? Can we read the Bible? Can we pray together? Again, those things are supposed to be happening anyway. But if we would get to a time where for a short time we could not have church gatherings, can we, as families, still do church? Can we still read the readings, uh, lead the family in prayers? Uh, if you uh, have an opportunity and you, you, know, you, don't, you don't feel comfortable ex- expositing the text uh, you can plug into our sermon and still listen to it together as a family. Uh, as uh, President Buss said, the Lutheran Hour. Uh, they, the Lutheran Hour series currently is not following the lectionary. Um, the way that they are doing it is kind of preaching through the Old Testament. So this, the reading, what you would hear in the Lutheran Hour isn't going to match what we're doing. But there's also another resource. Uh, it used to be called Worship for Shut-Ins. It's now called Worship Anew. Uh, that would be an option. There are a couple of our sister churches that do live stream. It's on Facebook Live. 
so you have to be friends with them on Facebook. But Trinity and Hersher, they do this, and Risen Savior and Mantino. Yeah, so that's on. It's on your Comcast or your cable, and you you can go online too and and watch it on demand at, at your leisure. But yeah, you have to you have to go to their website and figure out where it is uh, and what network, and and that's different if you have Comcast versus Lutheran Hour has a website too. Yep, Lutheran Hour Ministries. Yeah, yeah. But again, on demand, you can listen to it whenever you want, because if your family having devotions at 6 a.m. isn't an option. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ken? How can government uh, restrict us from assembly, since we have that as a constitutional right? Yeah. And again, separation of church and state, how can they mandate that we cannot meet? They can't mandate it. They're, they're, they're recommending state to a state for health issues and for the spread of the it's virus. It's my choice. Yeah. If I think it's not healthy for me to come, right? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. they can arrest you yeah. and, and it's they, they can't nudge. Time out. It's, it's your, your choice, but it's something happens to you. And, you know, we, we are at a, a place right now where those are the recommendations and, and churches decide. It is, it is their free decision to make it. But the reason why those that have decided not to is because they are respecting the vocations, not just of the governor, but also of the medical experts on this. And they don't, they don't want to question those and have bad things happen to, to their people. It's, it is on the side of extreme caution. Um, but that's, that's why they're making the decision, because we're in the past versus Italy and Europe they're they're like a few weeks ahead of us and so they've look at they've looked at what's happening there and what they've done and not done and they're recommending this is what we try to do to slow the the effect of it so that it doesn't become a big burden on the the hospitals and medical community and we have the choice we can say we're going to keep meeting we just as we've told people now, if you feel like you don't want to come, we're not going to burden your conscience and say, we'll come anyway. You, you make the decision that you think is right, but meantime, we want to still stay connected to you. We still want to make sure that if you're not coming to church, you're not like, well, Sunday morning, I'm just going to sleep in and not do anything. How are you continuing to use the Sabbath for God's rest? Yeah, but we're 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 not in we're not in that situation here. This this is the extreme side of caution. What are we doing? And our our response as Lutherans will listen to President Harrison's, and he gets a little bit into this, um, talking about render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. And knowing the situation, and is this a case of the government is trying to go against religion and stop it, or are there particular reasons for what they're saying at this time? And uh, so far, our church body is saying, okay, we'll, we'll hear what they have to say, we'll listen, and we're going to do what we can to keep people healthy. God is our refuge and strength, 
So this is the president of the Missouri Synod as a whole, Matt Harrison. I've been taking various actions in response to government recommendations and mandates to try to stem the spread of the coronavirus. At this point, our global missionaries and their families are well, thanks be to God. Some are quarantined in their respective countries by local governments, and we have also put in place a temporary travel ban for their safety and that of others. While we have not wanted to add to what at times seems a circus of media hype and political nonsense, I thought it time to address you, the people of the LCMS, directly. First, we owe our local and national government authorities respect according to the Fourth Commandment. We also owe them our constant prayers according to specific directives of St. Paul the Apostle. Dr. Fauci of the President's White House Task Force has stated within the last 24 hours that we are in a crucial period where it is possible to significantly limit the spread of the virus by smart action on the part of the public. Second, we have a duty of love to our neighbors according to the fifth commandment. We should fear and love God so that we do not hurt or harm our neighbor in his body, but help and support him in every physical need. The LCMS is not hierarchical. I have no authority to mandate anything in this regard to the 6,000 churches of the Synod, nor would we want it any other way. But I do have the freedom and responsibility to urge all of us to make a concerted effort to act in ways which limit exposure for ourselves and for the well-being of our neighbors at church and beyond. Third. This is a very fluid and changing situation. Responses will not be uniform across the church. As Luther noted in his document on the plague in Wittenberg, different people will make different decisions based upon circumstance and vocation. We trust our well-trained clergy as they consult with each other, with circuit visitors and district leadership to take appropriate action in their context. We trust the great lay leaders of our congregations to discern appropriate action. Given the seriousness of this virus, its fluidity and potential for much greater infection, actions may include in some places even foregoing church services and offering some substitute online. We trust the sanitary practices of our parishes with respect to the sacrament of the altar. But in these few weeks, individuals, pastors, and congregations will be making decisions in light of the crisis on various customary practices. We must in love be patient with one another as we strive to be both faithful and responsible. Also remember to be generous in these weeks when attendance may be affected and offerings low. We will very soon provide the opportunity for Q&A on all manner of questions, including those on the Lord's Supper. In Luke chapter 21, Jesus foretold all the kinds of things that would mark the time just before his coming. He talks about wars, rumors of wars, earthquakes, famine, persecution, 
and much more. He also included pestilence. Most all great Christians, including Martin Luther 500 years ago, beheld the mess of the world around them and thought the end must be soon. But most important, Jesus said at the end of his speech, now when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. You all know Luther's great Reformation hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. It's his hymn version of Psalm 46. But you may not know it was written during the plague in Wittenberg in 1527. A mighty fortress is our God, a trusty shield and weapon. He helps us free from every need which now has us o'ertaken. Your times are in the Lord's hands. Your days are numbered only by him. In fact, the very hairs of your head are numbered. You have only the resurrection to look forward to. And you have the glorious apostolic promise, all things work together for good for those called according to his purpose. I plead your patience as we all struggle through this with our nation and world. And I do know this, crosses always drive people to Jesus, including us. Count on it. We'll update you soon. In the meantime, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen. All right. So uh, he, he talked about that a little bit. And his, his explanation of it is we have a duty to the fourth commandment. And... It would, it would be, there would be scenarios, Ken, when, you know, if a government says, no, you guys can no longer work, uh, work together as a church, come together, would, would that stop us from coming together? No, then that's not breaking the fourth commandment, that's the earthly authorities usurping the first commandment, taking God's position. And uh, as churches that have made that decision right now that to cancel, uh, like I said, they're, they're doing so not with the thought that their theology is being undermined by the state, but they're thinking about these, these health concerns. And like I said, that's not a decision that we here have made. None of the Missouri Synod churches in our circuit have made that decision. There are a couple churches in our area that have. Um, they tend to be the churches that think that they're going to deal with that numbers problem. And so that's that's why they have made that decision. Um, and then the Catholic decision, uh, again, talking about the LCMS versus Lutherans, uh, Catholics, they're top-down. So what the diocese says, that's what rules. What President Harrison says, it's what he says. <laughs> he, he can't control the churches. That's not our, that's not our hierarchy. So but he, he kind of addressed that too. Try to educate people, bring bring people together, sure, but um, not he, he doesn't he's in control what decision our pastors and lay ministers make. That's our decision. Yeah, and in the same way, I don't control your decisions. I I try to give you the what we know and what we're doing. And uh, like I said, I I know a few individuals that didn't come. On the other hand, I know a few people that were here in worship 
because their church wasn't having service. So uh, it kind of, it, it works both ways, right? Um, he got to something, though, which I thought is kind of the epitome of, of what we deal with. I liked uh, President Bus's two things. I didn't talk a lot about the responsive. Um, I'll talk about it in just a second as we get into how we think about this as Lutherans. Um, you guys know what this is? Yeah. Yeah, you have one of these at home? Maybe. You had one when way, way long ago? Uh, dust it off if you have it at home and haven't looked at it for a while. Uh, it's Luther's small catechism, if you couldn't tell. M- mine probably looks a little different than yours. Over the years, they've had a few different editions. Uh, remember, Luther's small catechism, As I, when kids see this, they're kind of blown away. They're like, wait a second, it's the small catechism. This book is huge, and there's a lot of stuff in it. What's up with all of that? Luther's small catechism, as such, is not all of this. It's this part at the beginning the, the stuff that happens afterwards, uh, usually you have a book that says Luther's Small Catechism and then with explanation. It's the explanation that makes this so long. And the explanation over the years, uh, this is not from Luther's hands, but over the years, as other teachers have come to the Small Catechism, this is what they've been doing uh, to teach Luther's Catechism, there's questions and answers, and if you went through Confirmation, you're probably more than familiar with how all of that works. But Luther's Small Catechism uh, itself is a big thing that makes Lutherans Lutherans. Um, it, it was Luther's intent that in his day, he did not assume people would have Bibles in their home that their knowledge of the Bible would be fundamentally less than our ability to access and know the Bible in our day. But that did not mean that he wanted them to be completely ignorant of what it meant to be a Christian. And so he thought that if, if they can't have the Bible before them, if they would have like this summary of what it is to be a Christian— what it is that we believe, what it is we teach and confess, then then that would be a, a sufficient knowledge of the faith. And so he put together the small catechism. They've had catechisms uh, already in his day, but they were much more complex, much longer, and uh, he simplified it. So in that case, small catechism, People would know that it was a small catechism. If you have ever seen in a bookstore, uh, they have the catechism of the Roman Catholic Church. It looks like an encyclopedia. Like, it is, it is ginormous. Um, and that is the official catechism of the Roman Catholic Church, and that does change over time depending on how the, the popes edit it and, and whatnot. But Luther's small catechism is Luther's small catechism. It hasn't changed yeah, yeah. It's the the Pope is in charge of all the teaching of the the church. So yeah, um, Luther's small catechism hasn't changed because it is made up of of what is in Scripture, and Scripture doesn't change, and it won't change. So the catechism is is the Ten Commandments. What's the next section? The Creed. The next section. The Lord's Prayer, we'll, we'll just stop right there with those three. Uh, those three fundamental things um, are 
a great place to start when you think about how do we as Lutherans think about what's going on in our world. And that's why I, I wanted to especially share President Harrison's video, because he gave a very small example of it when he referred to the fourth commandment, when he referred to the fifth commandment. This helps us think. This helps us think not only about God and ourselves, but about the world around us. And this isn't just something that we learned as kids and throw, throw away after that. It, it should kind of be a part of our DNA. So you can think about this whole thing through the lens of the catechism, just kind of by going through each section um, and remembering what the words have to say, and then think about, okay, what does that have to do with our situation right now? And I think it works well to do it in order. I, I think you could pick and choose. Any part of the catechism would help you in this situation. But if you start in the beginning, it really starts things off very well. Because if you think about the situation in light of the catechism, you start with the first commandment, and the first commandment is, you should have no other gods before me. And Martin Luther's explanation to that one, if you forget any other part of the catechism, always remember the first commandment and its meaning. We should fear, love, and trust God above all things. First things are always first. And to think about our situation as a Lutheran, we start there. And that's the best place to start. So there's a lot of things that we're going to have to answer. There's a lot of things that we're going to have to learn. But what's the first thing that I know when going into, whether it's coronavirus, it can be a bad situation, but it can also be a good situation. The first thing that I should know as a Lutheran going through the catechism, is trust in God. That's the first place to begin. God knows all about this stuff. God knows what it'll be like. He knows us intimately. You heard him talk about that. He knows every hair on our head. Um, the way that the world is reacting, they, they're already not Lutherans, we know, because fear panic. Those are kind of the watchwords, right? As Christians, as Lutherans, go through the catechism, our first response is faith. It is trust. It is to know that God is in control. And as Luther, he talked about this at the end, and you, you get it in a way that um, I don't think we understand in our world, because we're not used to living in a world that didn't have medicine and doctors and cures for diseases. Um, we're used to living in a world where, you know, typically people live to be in their 70s. A lot of people live much longer. Um, people do die before that, but when it happens, it's, it's like a tragedy. It's, you know, we're, we're extremely distraught about that because that's not the way it's supposed to be. In Luther's world... It's not that way. It is a common occurrence to have multiple children not make it to two years old. It's a relatively common occurrence for women to die in childbirth. It's a relatively common occurrence for a family of eight, by the time they're 40, to only be one or two. 
mortality rates are pretty high. Uh, the plague, that was another pretty common occurrence in the Middle Ages and in the time of the Reformation. And they didn't know all about diseases and bacteria and, and all of that stuff. So to them, it was really scary. We know a lot more. I mean, like with this coronavirus, like they have the genomes of, of the virus. Like our medical knowledge is, is mind-blowing. But just because they know that doesn't mean they have a vaccine and a cure and all of that. So sometimes our trust of science and all of that, you know, we think it should be able to answer every question. You shouldn't have any problems. And uh, those that are on the forefront will be the first to tell you, no, that's, that's not the way that it works. We can know a lot, but we still suffer from a lot of different things. Um, but in Luther's day, just imagine how scary that must have been, that all of a sudden, a nearby village, people are coming down with these horrible diseases, uh, vomiting, diarrhea, fevers, all of that, and uh, they don't know what to do. Call the undertaker? I mean, wh- what do you do? But pastors were right there on the front lines to to be there with people, to bury them, to do funerals. I mean, they were exposed. Martin Luther, in his uh, own city, he experienced that. I don't know if you knew that story of where a mighty fortress came from, that it came during the time of one of these plagues. And him bringing people back to Psalm 46, he was starting with the first commandment. He wasn't a doctor. He didn't know how to heal all of the people. He didn't even know if it could be healed. But he knew that God could be trusted. And when we talk about our God, the greatest fear that we have in this life, it's not death. It's not sickness. Uh, The greatest fear is to not have God. Because if you don't have God, you don't have life. You don't have hope. And although I don't think that's a problem among you guys, that, that you do have that trust, The people around us, they need something more than toilet paper. They need that refuge. They need that hope. They don't have it. They're they're panicking like chickens with their heads cut off. And, you know, sometimes we can laugh at that and uh, sometimes maybe cry about it. But this is just a reminder of how important our work is as a church. We are the light in the darkness. And uh, let's, let's not forget the world around us. They're, they're in need of gospel. They're in need of that hope. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I understand where you're coming from, Ken, and there are, there are other people that have other reservations, whether it's a political or medical or, or whatnot. Um, and there are some people that, that get into those, those arguments and maybe we're doing the wrong thing. Um, I, I can't say definitively, but what I do know is that first commandment teaches me my trust must ultimately be in God, but it also teaches me that my neighbor's their trust needs to be there as well. And, and the second commandment leads to that, I think. So the second commandment is, you shall not take the Lord's name in vain. 
Okay, and when I talk to kids in in uh, in confirmation, you know, cursing, swearing, lying, deceiving in his name, using satanic arts, we talk about that. But the bigger thing that I talk about is God's name. So you're thinking about God's name, and you're thinking about the things that you say. But God, God's name is on you, right? It was placed on you in your baptism that you are called by name, that God places his name on you. You are his child. And so your name is, God's name is always on you. You're a Christian. And so everything that you say and do, it's a reflection of that. And that's true for us as well. Not taking God's name in vain. It isn't just about our words, although it is about that, It's about coming to God in prayer, praise, and thanksgiving. Okay? And that's not just about prayer. I think that's about our whole life. Do we live our lives as a prayer, as praise to God, as a thanksgiving to God? And again, think about that in light of our situation. What does that look like to live lives that way? Um, and that's where the first commandment isn't just about my trusting in God. It's about remembering the people around me. Because what I tell them is that one of the things about God is that you're responsible for him. Like, this is, this is how God has created us, that we are his image. We, we bear his image. We were made in his image. And so when people see us and they know that we're Christians— they learn about God. So what do they learn about God by watching us? That we're afraid? That we stir up discord? That we fear our neighbors? You know, that or that we love one another. That we strive towards acts of mercy. That we have compassion. That we reach out sort of like our God does. And in that way, the gospel reading today gives a a wonderful example of that, right? Of a a woman, first of all, a Samaritan woman, second of all, a adulteress, third of all. And what does Jesus do? He reaches out to her, goes to her. And the third commandment talks about the Sabbath and remembering the Sabbath by keeping it holy, which When I explain it to kids again, it's not just go to church, right? And I say, but don't stop listening because I'm not saying don't go to church. But you can go to church for the wrong reasons. You can go to church and be there, but not be listening. You can be going to church, and Jesus talks about this, and have something against your brother and thinking about your grudges and your anger and all sorts of other things other than what God has to say. And uh, that's, that's not what that commandment is, is about. Remember the Sabbath by keeping it holy. Are you holy on your own? No, but God makes us holy. He makes us holy through his word, through his sacraments. And so that remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy is about coming together as a congregation to receive his gifts. And like I said, if, uh, if you're ever in a place where you can't come together as a congregation to do that, 
you still need to find a way to get God's word a part of your life, whether it's family devotions or uh, following a sermon online. I don't think those are the same. It's, it's better than nothing, but sometimes you're in those situations where, where those things are, are a part of your life. And you can go through the rest of the commandments. I'm now running out of time. But just think about them. What does the commandment say? You can go to Luther's explanation and think about our response. Because to deal with this or any other situation as a Lutheran, I think the Catechism prepares us for that. And when you get through the Ten Commandments, then you go to the Creed. And the difference between the Ten Commandments and the Creed is that the Ten Commandments show us us, right? That you go through the Ten Commandments, and what do you learn? I'm a sinner, that I don't measure up, that I'm not doing everything that I'm supposed to be doing. But then you go to the Creed, and the Creed is the Gospel. The Creed is what God gives us, knowing that we are sinners. He gives us life. He sustains our life. He provides for us. He protects us. He guards us against every evil, the first uh, first article. In the second article, we learn about our Redeemer, and that's why we don't have to fear death, because we know that we are justified. And the third article, when you get to the the gifts of the Holy Spirit, uh, we know that the Holy Spirit works in our life, and uh, we are never forsaken. Even if we're self-quarantined, we are never alone. Jesus is always with us. He gives us the promise of everlasting life, the resurrection of the body, so that we fear no evil. You go to the Lord's Prayer after that, and our Lord teaches us how to pray. And go petition by petition, and again, I think you'll probably very easily see connections of how your eyes are opened now to what God's Word says, how Jesus teaches his disciples to pray, and specifically how you see that prayer in your life, in your world. The Lord's Prayer, I don't think, Jesus taught his disciples just to memorize it rote and just recite it. I think we should do that, but I think as Luther does, to take it apart and say, okay, what what are we praying for when we pray, thy kingdom come? What, what is this about? Um, and when you pray, as Luther teaches us how to pray, I think it transforms you. You might start this scenario by watching CNN or Fox News or MSNBC or whatever, and your immediate thought and reaction is either disgust or fear or you know, whatever, um, that's driven by your reaction to what you see, what you hear. But as a Christian, does God teach us a different way, a better way? And I think he does. I think we just need help remembering that. And at times of crisis, when everything changes, this week has been a whirlwind. We, you, get, you get thrown off a little bit. Even if you normally would think about things this way, you, you stop doing that because you're, just, you're reacting to the world around you. Um, and those, those, I think, are kind of the fundamental building blocks. When you move on to the means of grace, uh, we have 
assurances there, more grace for us, more reminders that, that we are forgiven, that we have that forgiveness of sins, that we are God's baptized children. And uh, if in this situation you get to a place where you can't get to church and you still want the sacrament, you still want communion, uh, we'll fumigate the air or whatever, you know, we'll wear gloves, but your pastors aren't, aren't afraid to come and visit you, um, to give you God's gifts. When we make decisions, we're trying to make the best judgments. When you make decisions, we trust and assume that you're trying to make the best judgments. But beyond the corporate side, uh, we're still connected. We're still the body of Christ, and we want, we want you to know that because that illustration the pastor had at the beginning of his sermon, I think, was, was wonderful. When you feel like you are disconnected, that you have no purpose, your whole life changes. Your whole mentality changes. And God has not given us a spirit of fear. He's given us a spirit of courage and boldness and hope. Um, I just wanted to remind us and encourage, again, not that I didn't think that you don't have that, but not only for yourself, but be responsive to the world. Be responsive to the fact that you know this, but not everybody out there does. And so how can we do that? One thing, if you're on Facebook, one thing that I did, I started on, we have this Facebook group, our, sco- our uh, school in, uh, what's it called? The St. Paul's Lutheran school, uh, Church Group. Community, community, yeah. Sorry, we have pages, we have groups, and sometimes in my mind I get... But it's a Facebook group, and I put a post up there to post a Bible verse, or verses if you want, of a specific verse or verse that you really think about, meditate on, remember, recite, when you need comfort or hope. Um, And a few people have posted there. But if you are on Facebook at all, I'd encourage you, uh, gra- grab that post and throw up your own. Put, put your own on there. And if you can, write why. Um, because one of the things that I'd like to do is, is to be able to, to share those more with others. Again, the drip, drip, drip of the news, that's going to keep drip, drip, dripping. But we need to intersperse within that God's word, that anchor that hope, that fortress that we have. Um, Because if that word, we can't rely on the news to get that word out, right? That's not their job. But it is our job. It is what God has called us to. I'm going to pray and then we'll close. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your gifts to us. Your gift of your presence, your gift of forgiveness and life and salvation, that you reach out to us while we are still sinners, that you are compassionate on us. Lord, we're dealing with uh, stuff we don't know about. Uh, We don't know what the future holds, but Lord, we trust in you. We trust in you because we know that, that you hold the future. You hold each of us in your hands. We pray, Lord, that when we're faced with new circumstances and new information, whatever it is that's out there, that, that we would be a people who turn to you, who turn to you in trust, who turn to you in faithfulness, who turn to you in love, but then turn toward our neighbor to show them love and compassion. 
We pray, Lord, that you would give wisdom to our leaders, leaders of the, the government, uh, state and national, uh, leaders of the world, leaders of our communities, leaders of our churches, leaders of our households, that you would be with all of these people, Lord, and you would guide them, you'd give them wisdom, you would lead them in directions that would be uh, pleasing to you, and that, Lord, they would seek your will. And we pray, Lord, that, uh, that we would be able to respond, that we would be able to respond in ways that may not be natural to us, but in ways that are guided by your Holy Spirit. We pray for your protection, your healing. Lord, may you keep communities safe. May those who are most vulnerable be cared for and watched out for. Lord, may this whole thing disappear. May you bring miraculous healing in ways that none of us could even believe. But if that doesn't happen, Lord, we trust you. We know that your will is done on earth as it is in heaven. We know that your kingdom comes to us. And Lord, we will rely on you for our daily bread. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Thanks. Yeah, there's an app on the App Store. Uh, the, yeah, otherwise there's a website. It's kind of, uh, it's catechism.cph dot org and it's the same thing as the app but if you uh, don't do apps uh it's it's there freely available it's the again the short part it's not the long explanation you can buy that part but they don't they don't give that part away for free and this one actually has the meanings not not the right